You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are listening to Payne.tv slash gold. All right, let's continue here. The concept of the dyad was, in a sense, Murray's attempt to build a bridge between psychology and sociology. Rather than follow Freud and Jung by identifying the individual as the fundamental atom in the psychological universe, Murray chose the dyad, the smallest social unit, and in this way sought to unite psychiatry, which studied the psyches of individuals, and sociology, which studied social relations. This kind of research, he apparently hoped, might, as he put it in a 1947 paper, promote, quote, the survival and further evaluation of modern man, end quote, by encouraging the emergence of the new, quote, world man, end quote, and making world peace more likely. So he wanted to engineer men into world men to make peace more likely. Again, folks, we could have just rolled this back and went back to nature, but this is one of those technocratic transhumanists who wants to push people further into the technological prison planet and actually start to manipulate and engineer their minds to fit into what is the technocrats' world view. This is what Kaczynski was writing about in Industrial Society and, his, uh, and Its Future, warning us that we were entering this time that we could not come back from, where instead of of engineering society to fit the needs of man, we begin engineering man to fit into the society engineered by the engineers. Goes on to say, Murray's interest in the dyad, however, may have been more than merely academic. The curiosity of this complex man appears to have been impelled by two motives, one idealistic and the other somewhat less so. He lent his talents to national aims during World War II. Forrest Robinson, the author of a 1992 biography of Murray, wrote that during this period he, quote, flourished as a leader in the global crusade of good against evil, end quote. He was also an advocate of world government. Murray saw understanding the dyad, it seems, as a practical tool in the service of the Great Crusade in both its hot and cold phases. He had long shown interest, for example, in the whole subject of brainwashing. I mean, folks, right there, okay? So, and and this is all true. This author's telling the truth. I mean, this is all part of what has come out in the official narrative. So, you've got this Murray guy who is a globalist, you know, he wants a world government, all right, he wants to manipulate people's minds to fit into this structure, and he looks at things as good against evil. Well, he obviously thought he was good. This is what I told you, the ones who look in the mirror every morning, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the goodest of them all? And they look at themselves as good, or more dangerous than the ones that actually know they're evil. And so, you start manipulating people's minds and trying to force them to live into your vision of a one-world government. Are you good or are you evil? Is it black and white? Can it be black and white? Is it gray? Have the lines blurred? Um, see, again, this is, this is a philosophical discussion here. Uh, but when you start manipulating people's minds to fit into your vision 
I see that you are trying to play God, or as I brought up with Dana, maybe they are actually embracing the role of the anti-God. It goes on to say, during the war, Murray served in the Office of Strategic Services. And, and we're going to get into this in depth, folks. All right, in depth, Office of Strategic Services. I'll show you what that's all about. I don't want to break away right now and show you everything I have because um, it'll muddy the water. So let's get through this and then we'll do a further investigation with the in-depth research I have on all of this. So it says, during the war, Murray served in the Office of Strategic Services, the forerunner of the CIA helping to develop psychological screening tests for applicants, and according to Timothy Leary, monitoring military experiments on brainwashing. Yes, Timothy Leary was testing out LSD at the time that Murray was in charge of this department at Harvard. So Murray actually oversaw Timothy Leary in LSD experiments, and I'll connect all this together for you because I know you're sitting there going, wait a second, was Harvard getting MKUltra money through Sidney Gottlieb that you covered here on the Dust and Gold Standard? And I will show you all of that, folks. Goes on to say, in his book, 1979, John Marks reported that General Wild Bill Donovan, the director of the Office of Strategic Services, quote, called in Harvard psychology professor Henry Harry Murray, end quote, to devise a system for testing the suitability of applicants to the Office of Strategic Services. Murray and his colleagues, quote, put together an assessment system that tested a recruit's ability to stand up under pressure, to be a leader, to hold liquor, to lie skillfully, and to read a person's character by the nature of his clothing. Murray's system became a fixture in the Office of Strategic Services, end quote. And folks, don't you worry, because we have it. Up on the screen here, you'll see this is called Assessment of Men, Selection of Personnel for Office of Strategic Services. This is a 565-page document, ladies and gentlemen. All right, this goes on to say one of the tests that Murray devised for the OSS was intended to determine how well applicants withstood interrogations, as he and his colleagues described it in their 1948 report, Selection of Personnel for Clandestine Operations, Assessment of Men, end quote. I'm going to read this really quick for you, but look, so this is 1948, folks. This is 10 years before... Ted Kaczynski shows up at Harvard at 16 years old for this butcher to uh, manipulate his mind. It goes on to say here, this is from Assessment of Men, the candidate immediately went downstairs to the basement room. A voice from within commanded him to enter, and on complying, he found himself facing a spotlight strong enough to blind him for a moment. The room was otherwise dark. Behind the spotlight sat a scarcely discernible board of inquisitors. The interrogator gruffly ordered the candidate to sit down. When he did so, he discovered that the chair in which he sat was so arranged that the full strength of the beam was focused directly on his face. At first, the questions were asked in a quiet, sympathetic, conciliatory manner to invite confidence after a few minutes however the examiner worked up a crescendo in a dramatic fashion when an inconsistency appeared he raised his voice and lashed out at the candidate often with sharp uh, sarcasm 
He might even roar, quote, you're a liar, end quote. Goes on to say, even anticipation of this test was enough to cause some applicants to fall apart. The authors wrote that one person, quote, insisted he could not go through with the test, end quote. They continued, quote, a little later, the director found the candidate in his bedroom, sitting on the edge of his cot, sobbing, end quote. Very nice guys. Very nice guys. This is all to pick intelligence officers. And this was all taking place at the CIA's farm, folks. I believe Mike Porras said he went through some uh, intelligence training at the farm. So I'm sure he's familiar with assessment of men. Goes on to say, before the war, Murray had been the director of the Harvard Psychological Clinic. After the war, Murray returned to Harvard, where he continued to refine techniques of personality assessment. In 1948, he sent a grant application to the Rockefeller Foundation. Our friends over there, the Rockefellers, folks. So he sends an application to the Rockefeller Foundation proposing, quote, the development of a system of procedures for testing the suitability of officer candidates for the Navy, end quote. Now, you're asking the Rockefellers for money, guys who want to control the entire world, this was well known at that time as well and yet you claim you want to help all men bring together world peace under this one world government you want to turn people into robotic android drones pal uh pretty obvious folks pretty obvious it goes on to say but 1950 he had resumed studies on harvard undergraduates that had begun in rudimentary form before the war titled quote Multi-form assessments of personality development among gifted college men, end quote. The experiment in which Kaczynski participated was the last and most elaborate in the series. In their post-war form, these experiments focused on stressful dyadic relations, designing confrontations akin to those mock interrogations he had helped to orchestrate for the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. So as you can see, What's going on here, folks? Uh, and there's been people who've asked, was this part of MK Ultra? We're going to get into that. I'm going to show you uh, connections that were going on here. So this guy is running these type of experiments at Harvard. He goes and he volunteers, and he was a lieutenant colonel at the time he was doing this, to run these experiments uh, for the OSS with assessment of men out of the farm at the CIA. And then this ended up spreading all over the world. We put this system into place at many military bases around the world. And actually, assessment for men became the foundation for how companies choose robotic managers to run all of their departments. Now, you ask yourself... I mean, let's put this in context. Let's be honest about this. You say to yourself, in, in the world we're in today, how the hell do these companies get all of the managers, middle managers and such, to run these departments to help build the technologies needed to create the technocracy, the uh, worldwide technological prison planet system? How do you get these managers to oversee Frankenstein genetic modification experiments? Well, if they're being run through a manual created off of the research that Henry Murray did 
with assessment for men. And this is how companies are choosing candidates. Not that this is a conspiracy anymore. Now it's just part of the culture. You're choosing robots to run departments that just do what they're told, right? And then all the employees from scientists to engineers to computer programmers are just going to work. They don't ask questions. They work at Google. Oh, you want me to build a brain scanner that works from the flicker rate of the screen of the iPhone? Okay, yeah, we'll work on that. And they just do whatever they're told. And this is how you built this worldwide technocratic system, folks. So Henry Murray, this guy who manipulated Ted Ted Kaczynski's mind, plays an instrumental role in exactly what we are seeing going on today. That's why it's so important to dig into these stories and try to understand them. You didn't think that the paper industrial society in its future that came out in 95 just came out of nowhere, just came out of the mind of a madman, just came out of the mind of just someone who sat at a computer and just thought, hey, what the hell? Sit down on my computer and type this. Of course, back then he was supposedly typing on a typewriter in a cabin. I'm just going to type this little paper here, and uh, I'm going to kill a couple people and release this to the newspaper. Now, folks, if it was, in fact, Ted Kaczynski, if the official narrative is true, who wrote this, then this is the foundation of where all of this information came from. But as you can see, this is all about manipulating people, controlling people. And one of the things we'll talk about later as we get into assessment of men in more detail, uh, were they actually helping weed out certain people from the military that they could bring in as intelligence officers into the OSS? Uh, At Harvard, were they running these experiments to see how these very intelligent young college men can stand up to the tests of torture? Or were they creating uh, Manchurian candidates very similar to what we've seen in, say, the, the Denzel Washington, Lee Shriver version of Manchurian candidate? That would probably be the one that most people are familiar with, with that movie. Is that what they were doing? Were they actually creating these people that then they would plant throughout the country in positions of power? You know, in Congress, in the Senate, you know, in the White House, in the CEO positions, boards of directors. Uh, are these guys all manipulated? Is that how all this stuff seems to work in sync? How this conspiracy seems to work in sync? I don't know. Do I think it's possible? Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I do believe in um, all this mind control and manipulation. I definitely think they can do it. Because they program our kids since they're little, and you see the way that some of them turn out. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. Let me take a short break because this is a lot to absorb. Think about this stuff. When we come back, let's get deeper into Professor Henry Murray. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard, right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. My name is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard Podcast right here on Pain. Dot TV slash gold. All right, folks, let's continue here from the Atlantic.com. 
It says, it was the confluence of two streams of development that transformed Ted Kaczynski into the Unabomber. One stream was personal, fed by his anger toward his family and those he felt had slighted or hurt him in high school and college. The other derived from philosophical critique of society and its institutions and reflected the culture of despair he encountered at Harvard and later. The Murray experiment, containing both psychological and philosophical components, may well have fed both streams. Gradually, while he was immersed in his Harvard readings and in the Murray experiment, Kaczynski began to put together a theory to explain his unhappiness and anger. Technology and science were destroying liberty and nature. The system of which Harvard was a part served technology, which in turn required conformism. By advertising, propaganda, and other techniques of behavior modification, the system sought to transform men into automatons to serve the machine. Now, folks, can you argue, can you argue against this theory here? Because it says this is Kaczynski's theory to explain unhappiness and anger. Technology and science, destroying liberty and nature. I mean, we can see all this. We can see all this, right? And then with advertising, propaganda, and other techniques of behavior modification, the system sought to transform men into automatons to serve the machine. Well, we know this is true. And actually, this grows out of the technocracy movement of the early 1900s. I mean, we've, we've reviewed that here. I mean, this fits so perfectly into that. It goes on to say, thus did Kaczynski's Harvard experiences shape his anger and legitimize his wrath. By the time he graduated, all the elements that would ultimately transform him into the Unabomber were in place. The ideas out of which he would construct a philosophy, the unhappiness, the feelings of complete isolation, Soon after so, two would be his commitment to killing, embracing the value-neutral message of Harvard's positivism. Morality was non-rational, made him feel free to murder. Within four years of graduating from Harvard, he would be firmly fixed in his life's plan. According to an autobiography he wrote that chronicled his life until the age of 27, quote, I thought, I will kill, but I will make at least some effort to avoid detection so that I can kill again, end quote. Both Kaczynski's philosophy and his decision to go into the wilderness were set by the summer of 1966. This is four years after he graduated Harvard. It says after his fourth year as a graduate student at the University of Michigan, where incidentally students had rated him an above average instructor. It was then Sally Johnson wrote that, quote, he decided that he would do what he always wanted to do, to go to Canada, to take off in the woods with a rifle and try to live off the country. If it doesn't work, and if I can get back to civilization before I starve, then I will come back here and kill someone I hate, end quote. This was also when he decided to accept the teaching position at Berkeley, not in order to launch an academic career, but to earn a grub stake sufficient to support him in the wilderness. Uh, 
1971, Kaczynski wrote an essay containing most of the ideas that later appeared in the manifesto. Quote, in these pages, end quote, it began, quote, it is argued that continued scientific and technical progress will inevitably result in the extinction of individual liberty, end quote. It was imperative that this juggernaut be stopped, Kaczynski went on. This could not be done by simply, quote, popularizing a certain libertarian philosophy, quote, unless, quote, that philosophy is accompanied by a program of concrete action, end quote. At that time, Kaczynski still had some hope of achieving his goals by peaceful means, by establishing, quote, an organization dedicated to stopping federal aid to scientific research, end quote. Wow. He was ahead of his time, ladies and gentlemen, because look at everything we covered here. (laughs) Everything that stems from the government, right, from the state, ends up in the hands of these universities. It ends up in these companies. We do it through government contracts, through grants, and everything else, folks. It all stems from the state. That's why I told you there is no deep state. There is only the state goes on to say it would not be long before he decided this was fruitless the same year johnson wrote he was quote thinking seriously about and planning to murder a scientist end quote meanwhile he began to practice what radical environmentalists call quote monkey wrenching end quote sabotaging or stealing equipment and setting traps and stringing wires to harm intruders into his wilderness domain Later in the 1970s, he began experimenting with explosives. In 1978, he launched his campaign of terrorism with the bomb that injured Terry Marker. Goes on in the next section called The Evils of Intelligence. Today, Ted Kaczynski is serving four life terms in a maximum security prison in Florence, Colorado. Now, as I told you, he has now moved to another prison because he supposedly has cancer. Goes on to say, out of sight, he is not out of play. His manifesto continues to be read at colleges around the country. Through letters, he maintains relations with many people he knew before his arrest. And although most Americans are morally repulsed by the Unabomber's terrorism, Many accept his anti-technology views and silently tolerate extremist actions on behalf of saving, quote, wild nature, end quote. Kaczynski has attracted a large new following of admirers. Indeed, he has become an inspiration and a sort of leader in exile for the burgeoning, quote, green anarchist, end quote, movement. In a letter to me, Kaczynski made clear that he keeps in contact with other anarchists, including John Zerzan, the intellectual leader of a circle of anarchists in Eugene, Oregon, who was among the few people to visit Kaczynski while he was in jail in Sacramento awaiting trial. Now, you do know, folks, we just have to point this out. Every letter written by Kaczynski and every letter written to Kaczynski would have been read by the prison guards especially with someone like Kaczynski. So he didn't have any secret writings back and forth. Everything uh, was read. So if there were any plans concocted on the outside, this would be picked up by the prison guards, turned over to the FBI, handed off to intelligence. So this is probably how a lot of stuff was manipulated. 
and um, they put out undercover federal agents and such. goes on to say, according to the Boston Globe, Teresa Kintz, one of Zerzin's fellow anarchists, was the first writer to whom Kaczynski granted an interview after his arrest. Writing for the London-based Green Anarchist, Kintz quoted Kaczynski as saying, quote, for those who realize the need to do away with the techno-industrial system, if you work for its collapse, in effect, you are killing a lot of people, end quote. The Los Angeles, and that's important. He talks about that in industrial society and its future. You know, what's worse, to let technocracy run its course, which this is me, I believe it ends with the engineering of humanity out of existence, or to work to collapse technocracy, which will also kill a lot of people because the majority of people cannot survive without the technological system. He believes that it's better to roll the dice with trying to collapse the technological system because technocracy ends with the removal of all human freedom whatsoever. Okay, it goes on to say, the Los Angeles Times has reported that last June, 200 of Zerzan's comrades rioted in Eugene, smashing computers, breaking shop windows, throwing bricks at cars, and injuring eight police officers. According to the Seattle Times, followers of Zerzan's also arrived in force at last December's, quote, Battle of Seattle, end quote, at the World Trade Organization meeting, where they smashed shop windows, flattened tires, and dumped garbage cans on the streets. Now, it'd be interesting to know, and I'm not, I'm not going to investigate this, uh, were those controlled opposition? Was that really a war against the technocratic system, or was that some sort of a January 6th type operation where what they did is they went out there like an Antifa, smashed computers, and then what? what it was like a reverse psychology that got the majority of folks out there to embrace technology like these guys are crazy we love our computers we all oh, these guys are we need to go further into the technocratic system so you never really know when a psyop ensues it goes on to say kaczynski continues to comment approvingly on the violent exploits of environmental radicals in a letter he wrote last year to the denver television reporter rick salinger he expressed his support for the earth liberation front's arsonists at the vale ski resort fires that destroyed more than 12 million dollars worth of property all right ladies and gentlemen so this is back again in 2000, uh, you're starting to see what shaped Kaczynski. Again, this is written by a gentleman who went to Harvard around the same time as Kaczynski and also found himself moving out into the wilderness of Montana into a place with no electricity and no running water. And so he's writing this piece. And I thought this was important because it brings a lot of elements into the discussion that we could then do further investigations on. So when I get back, we're going to work to finish this up today. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be right back. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 